Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. The song How Bizarre from New Zealand's OMC was first released in 1995, but it wasn't until 1997 that it made its mark on the U.S. Billboard charts. This hard-to-classify hit tends to be very polarizing among listeners. The strange mashup of musical styles, the unique vocal delivery, and the incomplete lyrical story leaves some listeners delighted and other listeners downright annoyed. This week, we're joined by Dustin Rubin of the $2 Late Fee Podcast to decide if we want to buy the rights to the rest of OMC's story. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So welcome Dustin, I'm so glad you're here to talk about OMC, how bizarre I'm very surprised at how bizarre the story behind OMC actually is. I had no idea. Well, yeah. Thank you for having me. OMC, it's more like OMG, uh, or mm-hmm. we can just start saying OMC in place of that. Yeah, no, this is a song that's that's followed me since I was became aware of it. Can't escape it. Excited to talk about it. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, OMC stands for the Otara Millionaires Club. Otara being a very poor suburb of Auckland, New Zealand, where OMC is from. It was a tongue-in-cheek type name. And yeah, I had no idea, first of all, that OMC was from New Zealand. Had no clue. I had no clue. I guess this was a duo at first, but basically it is just polyfumana. Is that correct, Matt? I, I think I'm right about that. Yeah, I mean, that's mostly correct. It's it's 
I think it's like like a postal service type deal as well a little bit where it's like <laughs> one person one person's creating all of the music and then someone else does all the singing type situation. The only time that OMC will ever get compared to the postal service, I'm yeah. sure. But <laughs> that is the first time and last time on earth that will so ever be good. done. That's so good. Question for you first, Dustin. I'll ask Matt. Do you like this song? <sighs> Oh, my God. It's not an easy question you just asked. Right? The short answer is no. I do not. Yeah. Very much yeah. do not. Matt, what do you, what are your, did you have, Matt, you seem like the one person who would have the OMC album. I don't have the OMC album, but I okay. wouldn't not purchase it. Like, I just haven't, okay. the opportunity hasn't presented itself when I'm going through the local CD stores. Okay, cool. I feel like this is one of those songs. I've actually talked about this a couple times this week, which is weird that it keeps coming up. There is certain music that as a kid, I couldn't stand. So like when I was growing up was like when Europop was all over the radio and I hated all of it. I thought it was like the most obnoxious shit ever. But I also feel like there's this weird power of nostalgia where anything that reminds you of being a teenager like gets this second life where you don't hate it nearly as much as you did when you were a teenager because it can like kind of pull you back there. Mm -hmm. So I hated How Bizarre when it was like on the radio at the time. But like now I hear it and it's like I hear the song and I remember like hanging out in my cousin's basement and this coming on the box or something like it kind of brings well, back enough positive memories that I'm like, all right, I it gives me the the endorphin boost that I want. Like, fine. The name of how bizarre is so appropriate for this song because it is a bizarre fucking song. Well, I hear it cited as being a song that people despise. Yeah, I every reaction I've ever heard about. I've never heard anyone say like, oh. How bizarre. Love that song. This is <laughs> this is universally hated. I don't have that strong opinion about it. I just know it. Basically, here's what I know about this song. Oh, yeah, it's a song that goes, how bizarre. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a strange voice. I would have had, once again, I would have had no idea that this band is from New Zealand, which I will note, in recent years, even though I've never been to New Zealand, New Zealand is a place that if I was wealthy and had the means to move there it seems like a place i would want to go it seems like i like the music that comes out of there i mean omc we'll, we'll decide on that part of it but most of the music i hear that comes out of there most of the comedy that comes out of there just the way it looks it seems like a beautiful place beautiful weather they didn't have covid <laughs> like there's just so many things about new zealand makes it a very appealing place to me so I would have had no idea that a guy sound how bizarre would have been from there. But uh, this another thing that I thought was really interesting about this that I would have had no idea is that this guy, um, what's his name? His name is Polly Fumana. He's basically yeah. OMC. He, he has like a very like gang background and OMC yep. shows were known for having a lot of bloods and crips at them. Who? in the world would have ever guessed that <laughs> if you did you get a chance to check out the first single that omc ever put out which i believe was called we are omc and yes. it's oh. literally just like a straight hip-hop track are you a friend or a foe i don't really know who he's go but if so because if you're my friend you're my friend till the end no pissing with the visit can't 
Yeah, I didn't know, and I I dug in, and you know, a lot of the songs are kind of in the vein of how bizarre from this album. It's interesting because it, I I think that there is a lot of cool ideas in this. Like, it is blending so many different sounds into like a musical performance because it's like a dance track, but it's got like a flamenco vibe to it with like a lit like it's all these different genres just like hodgepodged into it you've got all this interesting instrumentation and then it's like being wrapped by someone who sounds like they just left the dentist and still have like the cotton in their mouth to like stop the bleeding right like it's it's so mush mouth the whole time but i feel like that's why it was a hit i think that if this dude just sang in a completely normal regular voice this song wouldn't have had a chance of sticking in people's memories you think the voice is a big part i do like you said like all i remember is like the how bizarre part i feel like i remember the like lead off into the chorus from every verse too, like the hey is that show 69 <laughs> like <laughs> like those like lines or or like hey bottle rights how was up? Yeah, there's there's some sort of story here in this song that it's a little bit confusing. Very. <laughs> I, I will note that this song was an eight-song writing session that happened over the course of four hours. <laughs> so average that out. And and it's this song was this song was written in about half an hour. It's yeah. that easy. And and the story behind this song, which I'm trying to make sense of, which I will note, this song was written with his songwriting partner. Alan Jansen, who I think was like kind of a songwriter, like a record label guy, wasn't really involved, kind of kind of discovered Polly, who was kind of more of like a loose cannon who played music with his family. And the idea for the song came from Jansen's wife, who was known to use the expression how bizarre. Yeah. She would say she would say how bizarre about things. But the story, which I'll we'll try to figure out in this first verse here is Brother Pele's in the back, sweet Xena's in the front, cruising down the freeway in the hot, hot sun. Suddenly, red-blue lights flash us from behind, loud voice booming, please step onto the line. Pele preaches words of comfort, Xena just hides her eyes, policeman taps his shades. Is that a Chevy 69? How bizarre. Yeah, I think that's pretty cut and dry. They're having a good time. They think they're getting pulled over for something they did wrong, and the cop just wanted to... Check out their sweet-ass Chevy 69. <laughs> oh. I feel like literally nothing bizarre happens in this song. This song, to the definition of bizarre, is equal to Alanis Morissette to the definition of ironic. Ironic, Like, yes. it's not quite there, actually. Yes. I mean, you know, bizarre is when, you know, your boss walks in without any, you know, just like in his underwear and is like, hey, it's time to start work. That's pretty bizarre. It's not bizarre... To to get pulled over, it's not bizarre to go to the circus. I want to I want to analyze that because I don't think that they went to the circus. I think that they looked at a poster of the circus and the, the poster, poster yes. came to life. Oh, is that what? You, okay, because he says the ringmaster steps out and says the elephants left town, and it's right after they're just talking about staring at a poster. So I don't know if the poster comes <laughs> to life or if the chorus <laughs> break is that they find a poster and are like, yo, let's go check out the circus. Like it could be either one, but I'd like to believe that the poster comes to life because that is actually bizarre. And it would explain why news TV news and cameras are showing up to cover the event. I might have to disagree 
that a cop pulling you over and not being an asshole, that is kind of bizarre. <laughs> I mean, this cop just wanted to check out the car. I mean, I, yeah, I, I would say that that part is somewhat bizarre. But is that the only, like, I feel like we're only getting samplings of the mm-hmm. story. You know, obviously, you know, he's, he's storytelling and, and that's what you do, right? It's, it's an opinion. It's a point of view. But like, can we assume that he said, is that a Chevy 69? And then also wrote <laughs> right. them yeah. a ticket? Well, Dustin, if you have questions and you want to know the rest, you got to buy the rights. rights. I mean, that <laughs> is, I mean, how smug do you have to be to be like, buy the rights to my boring piece of shit story? That tells you nothing. I've told you all of the non-exciting parts of this story, but if you want to know when it gets good, yeah, pay up, buddy. Yeah. You got to pay up. You got to pay up front for the good stuff. You want to know if this is a poster that came to life because we took too many drugs, right. which is would be more interesting. Is that what's yeah. going on here? Maybe, maybe they're all drugged up. Maybe that's why they were so afraid of the cop pulling I, them over. I, was that they right? were tweaking? Wow. They were tweaking. So, Let's rewrite this from our wow. perspective. Okay, <laughs> I never really thought about that, guys. Yeah, the next verse is Destination Unknown as we pull in for some gas. A freshly pasted poster reveals a smile from the past. Elephants and acrobats, lion, snakes, monkey. Pele speaks righteous. Sister Zena says funky. So they're they're staring at this poster and they're just like, righteous, (laughs) funky. Right. And and maybe Polly's like, what are you guys talking about? And whose smile is it from the past that they're seeing? Is it theirs, like like Matt's? Is it like that nostalgic feeling? Like, oh, we used to go to the circus. Or is the friend now like a ringmaster on the poster? Man, I never thought that maybe they're tripping oh. out just staring at a poster. This is, <laughs> this is interesting because the ringmaster steps out and says the elephants left town. People jump and jive, but the clowns have stuck around. TV news and camera. There's choppers in the sky. Marines, police, reporters ask where, for, and why. Pele yells, we're out of here. Xena says, right on. Making moves and starting groups before they knew we were gone. Jumped into the Chevy and headed for big lights. Want to know the rest? Hey. Hi. By the lights. How bizarre. Right. So they're still at the gas station this whole time. Yeah, this is literally they got pulled over mm. by a cop and got some gas. That mm. is the story of how bizarre Just, thus far. The, the cop let him go. <laughs> and that's it. And maybe it's bizarre because they're tripping. How has no one thought about yeah. this i never thought about That's, this thanks for pointing this out guys i think we're just coming up with this together you know on the spot which is the way it sh- any creative endeavor should should come about it's it's a collaboration of yeah maybe it's this and if it is that then great. i'm gonna go with that it is <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know if you guys saw this fact but rolling stone magazine called Polly <laughs> fumana the marvin gay of the pacific and that <laughs> has to be the most that has to be the most confusing thing possible. I mean, why and how are you comparing this for the most part from what I listen to of OMC, it's a lot of like talk singing by mm-hmm. this guy who kind of sounds like a muppet. So I don't know where the Marvin Gaye part is coming from. If anything, I would call it like <laughs> You know, well, the streets probably weren't even around yet. I kind of considered it like a Muppet version of the streets. <laughs> is the closest that. thing I that I absolutely But maybe that. the streets weren't around That's yet. That's hilarious. But <laughs> Marvin Gaye of the Pacific. I don't. I didn't really get that. I mean, if that's the case, over on our Patreon episode from last week, I think we really made a mistake not including OMC in our uh, sensual songs playlist. Yeah, <laughs> if he's you if he's the Marvin Gaye of the Pacific, right? Let's get it on. Yeah. 
We are OMC. Yeah. It's very, they're all very, they're very similar. <laughs> Could you imagine bringing a date home? Matt and I just did a uh, a uh, Patreon episode about like sexy songs to put on. <laughs> You're like getting in the mood. <laughs> Could you imagine yeah. walking in the house? You've had like a romantic night out on the town. Want to? Maybe it was like a second date, and you finally get. You know, <laughs> do you want to come in for a drink? Yeah, come in and and hit and play on. How bizarre! <laughs> what kind? Of, what kind of mood that would set? Right. I mean, that would probably. I mean, that would. I'm just trying to be in the perspective of somebody on a second date. Someone puts that on, and I, I'm looking in their eyes, and I'm going, "Are they being serious? Is this an? Er- is this a test, or is this an earnest moment? And if it's an earnest moment, I think you're like, I'm dating a serial yeah. killer, and you leave. <laughs> it could be a serial killer moment, so, right? A serial killer move. Yeah. So this song also makes me think of Chris. I know you and I have talked about this show, and you're pretty lukewarm on it. Um, Dustin, did you ever watch Undeclared, the uh, like pseudo follow up to Freaks the, and Geeks? The Judd Apatow. Uh, I did. I did. Not. You know. It's. It's obviously. It's no Freaks and Geeks. No, so definitely there, not. There was an episode. There was an episode of Undeclared where the female characters have a new roommate, and she's just discovered OMC's How Bizarre and won't stop <laughs> listening to wow. it. Wow. <laughs> Do you guys realize now OMC, who had this one song, which at least in my little universe, everyone seemed to really dislike. I didn't personally have too strong of feelings on it. I, I think that I just thought it was just another kind of annoying song that was popular. I don't think I hated it as much as people seem to hate it. But do you realize that OMC then went on to tour with U2, Cheap Trick, Share? The Smashing Pumpkins, and even opened for Bon Jovi on an aircraft carrier. Insane. Like, who was their booking agent? How was? <laughs> how were they? I didn't even see how this act, how OMC fit in. I guess all these people thought that OMC was going to be this huge, long-lasting thing. I wonder if, like, on every one of those tours, you know, like, shares, like, next time I'm going to be opening for you, yeah. OMC. Like... <laughs> They only had like six songs at that point or something. They, which they is, only had one album ever. Yeah. <laughs> they ever. put out the one and then just were like, yeah, that's all we need. We that's said all what we need. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's ride it. But, but I think we're, we're kind of glazing over the fact that this song was like number one in New Zealand for like ever. It was number one in New Zealand before a music video had even been shot. Like it was just like they put this song out and immediately New Zealand clung to it. In the United States, it was in the top 40 for 32 weeks, which is half a fucking year that it was a top weeks. 40 song. Uh, it eventually became the number one song, and he was the first New Zealand artist to ever have a number one spot on the Billboard charts. And then I read this weird little factoid that has nothing really to do with OMC, but just a further wrench in the complication sometimes <laughs> when we're looking at charts to determine what counts as a one-hit wonder. The song never charted on Billboard's normal Hot 100 because it was not released as a commercially available single in the United States, right. which was part of the chart eligibility requirement at the time. So like, because there wasn't a How Bizarre single, if you wanted to Amazing. hear How Bizarre, you were going to have to buy that full OMC album. Buy the rights, baby. It never baby. counted for the Hot 100. <laughs> Guys, I got I to gotta talk about something with this song, and this isn't really me talking shit on this song. Obviously, Polly Fumana figured out some sort of secret to writing a hit song somewhere along the way. But I gotta tell you, I've played music for 60 some percent of my life now and made that like my life's work. And 
it's puzzling to me that a song where <laughs> the it's like spoken word basically nonsense some sort of like very loose story verses and then a chorus that just goes how bizarre could be such a massive song not saying that i've written something better than this or necessarily i'm just saying that like what what did what is going on here let me throw this out there because i think that another part of the success, like I said, I thought one element is that he sounds like no one else. Like you said, it is like a Kermit the Frog voice to the T, what he's doing throughout most of the song. But I think there's that juxtaposition of the very weird how bizarre mixed with what I think is the most earwormy part of the song, which is the f- the female vocals doing the, ooh, baby, it's making me crazy yeah. every time I look around. Right. Every time I look around. <laughs> like, look that part around. works. That's the part when I think of how bizarre, look I around. think of that chorus more often. Like, I'll have the how bizarre pop into my head, but then immediately it's into the like, every time I look around, because okay. that's the best part in that's the a song. Good po- that's a, that's <laughs> a good point. I wasn't thinking about, you know, the backup vocals. And I guess the horns are pretty catchy. And th- this song seems to have like, did you say it was like flamenco music? I, I don't know. I, I, I It sounds like... <laughs> kind of like Latin to me or something. I don't know exactly. This was what uh, music and media said about it. It's a Polynesian pop with a twist. The gravelly deep voice and major rap attitude mixed with Spanish guitar, trumpet, and sweet female backup vocals create a radio-friendly mood. But I've heard that they were blending uh, a combination of like mariachi guitars uh, blended in with like more of a salsa type trumpet. Like it is like a couple different pieces of that culture's style oh like God. polynesian culture all smashed into like a pop song the it's phrase weird. major rap attitude is like the <laughs> whitest phrase i've ever oh, yeah. heard in my life thank you thank you music and media magazine oh for giving us that uh <laughs> that and phrase. also uh, chris do you- yeah it does it have a major <laughs> rap attitude it sounds to me <laughs> no, right that's a hundred percent right it's like yeah it's just some some strange white person i don't know what to do it's got attitude do you think chris that it could be you could look at it in a very inspirational way whereas don't overthink what you do creatively so much just just feel it just do it i I think that and that's uh, a good way to look at it like yeah if this song could become a hit anything can and like you said not overthinking it yeah you could overthink this song was written in a eight song four hour songwriting session and no one overthought anything. The, these no, these definitely no, no seem time. like the first pass of lyrics. There's no complete story here, really. It's kind of like a piece of a story. There's no like aha moment like, oh. So, you know, I mean, unless we discovered like, oh, the poster came alive. There's no like real story here other than how bizarre. Further to your point, Chris, I forgot about this other chart fact about this song is that it uh, It became a BMI certified million airplay song two years in a row. So two million airplays in two years with this song, if not a little bit more. So like this song was inescapable. But I want to shed some light. I know that we've talked about sometimes to appreciate a song, you have to kind of like look at what else was happening at that mm-hmm. time. And if you look at what the actual number one songs were on the Hot 100... Let me know if you see a common denominator that I saw in here. Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart for about seven weeks, followed by the Spice Girls Wannabe for four weeks. And here's where we hit 
where I think there might be a common theme a little bit for the rest of the year. Puff Daddy's Can't Nobody Hold Me Down for six weeks. Notorious B.I.G. Hypnotized for three weeks. Hanson Noombop for three weeks. Puff Daddy, I'll Be Missing You for 11 weeks. Notorious B.I.G.'s Mo Money Mo Problems for yeah. two weeks. Mariah Carey featuring Puff Daddy Honey for three weeks. <laughs> then for one week, Boys to Men had four seasons of loneliness. And then to take out the rest of the year was Elton John Candle, of the Wind, uh, Candle in the Wind for 14 weeks. So it's like most of this year is Puff yeah. Daddy. Like <laughs> Puff Daddy has dominated the radio. And I feel like this, when you think about it in that framework, this is the complete opposite of what Puff Daddy was doing with his music, where I think it made it stand out amongst everything else that was happening on the radio. Right. Okay, yeah, this stands out. And I, I as you you both have brought things up about this song that I'm just focusing on like, okay, the story and this guy's kind of strange voice aren't are kind of silly, but you have those like classical musical things, those, that, that sort of Spanish sound that's familiar and it makes you think of like the summertime and, you know, having a good time and then mix that with like some modern production. So you take these things like, I don't know, it's kind of mariachi sounding, I guess would be fair to say mixed with like a beat. And yeah, those, those back, those backup vocals, Matt, that you brought up are definitely really catchy. And now it's starting to make a lot more sense to me that this would be. Yeah. Like don't imagine, don't imagine you listening to OMC, how bizarre, while wandering around your kitchen getting prepared to record an episode of One Hit Thunder. But imagine it's middle of the summer, you're at Johnny's pool, and this song just happens to pop on on like the mix that you have playing outside while you're out there grilling and stuff. It's not a bad soundtrack for like poolside grilling some burgers. Come on you know right I mean? after Steal My Sunshine or something. like Exactly. Oh, God. Exactly. Like, you know, just goofy-ass songs. Terrible barbecue. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this would be, be a terrible barbecue, but... It does. I guess maybe my problem with it is like, how is there not a better song that features these elements uh, being, you know, some sort of classical sounding music mixed with contemporary production and then some cool female backup vocals? How is there not a better song than How Bizarre? Maybe how maybe OMC just stepped into this. Uh, you know, we need a song that sounds like this. This is the best we got, I guess, because I can't really name one. I guess. <laughs> so it's a really, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. I mean, I'm just the longevity of this song amazes me. I heard this in Trader Joe's two weeks ago, right. yeah, and I had a visceral reaction. I was like reaching for some chips or something, and I was like, "Oh, I'm, what's going on?" And then, like the next day, <laughs> you know, Matt, you were like, "Hey, here's our here's a wish list that we got," and it was I was like. It's it's haunting me, right? Um, and just <laughs> right. some some backstory for me about this song is that I was I had a, a, a radio show my freshman year in college, and they were like you know the new music would come in and they would like highlight it, mm-hmm. you know they'd be like here's the new music bin, and this one particular week they were highlighting two songs and one was this song by a band called Bug exclamation point I don't know if you guys are familiar with it no. they had a song called Monday Morning I have not been able to find this song since I don't know the band seems to kind of be around I don't know and and it was and it was an OMC and it was like you know we, we encourage you to check out these songs and play these songs and I was like okay put on OMC it's like all right all right that's a little different and then as soon as he started singing I was like oh I don't I don't Mm, mm, you weren't feeling, weren't feeling the Marvin Gaye of the Pacific. <laughs> I was not feeling it. 
I was not feeling it. And then I questioned my own, like, is this, is this, am I at fault here? Am I not seeing why we're promoting this? But if, if indie, if just random indie college radio stations are getting the, like the push to play it, like, where is it coming from? You know what I mean? Like they had so much push. Is it because they were just number one in New Zealand? Like who's, who, what marketing firm was all on board with this song? Yeah. I want to, I'll have to attribute this to Todd in the Shadows. Every once in a while, I'll check out one of his videos if he's covered an artist that we're about to record about. And he does put out a a theory, which is similar to a theory I've proposed about why I love the music of like 94 to 97. But uh, he talks about how the late 90s were this area where it's like Kurt Cobain dies and you've still got these two or three years where the record companies think, all right, we just need to find our next Kurt Cobain because that's clearly where music's going. And like, it's not working. But while that's not working, stuff like the Macarena is like blowing up everywhere. And then I think it was this shift of like, all right, we've got to find the next like, what's our next Macarena? And Mm -hmm. that's when you get like, how bizarre, who let the dogs out? Like, it is just like grasping at straws for that like bubblegummy, feel good, bright fluorescent colors. Like you're right in that grunge is done 9-11 hasn't happened yet so like everything is bright colors and happy feeling songs and you get Lou Begas and you get wow. like all of this craziness that is just them trying to find maybe not the artist who's going to be the biggest artist in the world but like who's going to be that summer hit at the very wow. least I didn't think about Lou Bega and the Macarena like those two fit yeah. perfectly with this song and they do. that would make for the most atrocious cookout <laughs> ever if you put those songs on right in a row. I, I would probably leave. That would be very yeah, bad, agreed. bad, bad. But okay, th- this does make sense to me. That that time period, that's that's all around each other, right? Yeah, that's about a two or three year gap wow. right there. Very interesting. Wow, okay. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.
I think we should talk a little bit about the downfall of Polly Fumana at, at this point. So, uh, yeah, it is it is a sad a sad ending for Polly. After all, you know, the success of How Bizarre, his songwriting partner Alan Jansen actually ended up suing Polly Fumana over royalties. So you had that break apart of the songwriting collaboration that brought us How Bizarre. At that point, the dream yeah, team. At that yeah. point, uh, the the record label Polygram. <laughs> They pushed Polly to record a cover of the Randy Newman song, I Love L.A., for the movie, get ready for it, Bean. The Rowan Atkinson movie. Oh, yeah. Bean. Bean. Whoa. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so he did. He, recover, he covered this Randy Newman song for Bean, and it was a commercial flop. Who'd have thought that an <laughs> OMC cover of a Randy Newman song for Bean would be a flop, but oh unfortunately God. it was. At this point, there were lots of altercations between Polly and the record label, including at one point, Polly, while having a disagreement with a rep uh, from the record label, threw the rep through the window of the tour bus. So a little bit of the gang uh, yeah. violent background of Polly was coming through at this point. In 2006, Polly declared bankruptcy and his friends said it was because of his generosity and also because of his lavish lifestyle. Kind of sounds like yeah. a hammer situation. And then at that point, <laughs> Alan Jansen, who then had sued Polly back then, he financially supported Polly's comeback later in the 2000s. Amazing. And then he released the comeback single in 2007. That flopped. And then Polly ended up dying in 2010 after suffering for several years with a degenerative disease, which I believe was, I forget the name of it. It was something in the vein of like, a, I think of MS. And uh, he was yeah. 40 years old and survived by his wife and six children. And hopefully- Six and, children. Yeah. And then at that point, how Bizarre briefly re-entered the charts in New Zealand after the news of his death came out. And in recent years, How Bizarre made a big resurgence on, where else? TikTok. And it's got billions of views on TikTok. And hopefully some of the, the money of royalties from all that has gone back to his very large family. That's a, a very unfortunate and for Polly Fumana. Yeah. Let me ask you to, to bring us back up. Who do you think could do an interesting cover of How Bizarre? And I feel like in the past we've been like in 2022. But I just say <laughs> throughout the hit, if you could assign this to any artist within oh. the grand scheme of music to cover this Dude, song. I, I just thought of the funniest one. <laughs> I want to hear the Bony Vare cover of how bizarre oh Ooh, dude that would be yeah. amazing That'd be beautiful he would do such a beautiful, beautiful version of this song <laughs> i don't i don't know so, if it's gonna happen but i can hope i'll let dustin go first because i actually have two that kind of complement each other in a weird way okay great and you're saying it could be at any point and yeah if you want the beatles to cover how bizarre <laughs> go watch. yeah i mean i the the one that comes to mind immediately is leonard cohn wow Ooh. it's just like like a like just Let's take that poetry, you know, deep. Mm. I almost, I almost want to raise you a Leonard Cohen and say full blown Tom Waits with his Absolutely. gravelly voice <laughs> and him doing like his weird How like bizarre. beatbox acapella for the music. <laughs> you guys like, are trying to make this song so dark. <laughs> hey, why don't we just, why don't we just do a Johnny yeah. Cash version on his deathbed <laughs> of Al yeah, Bizarre? No. If we're gonna no, go so, there. <laughs> so mine, so mine, I'm actually leaning towards 
towards something that actually makes sense for the artist to cover it because they have all the components for it. I just think that they would do a better job with it. And it kind of went two steps. Step number one was I was like, man, this song, if it was done by Cake, would probably be amazing because you'd still Mm. have all of those elements of like the Spanish guitar and the trumpet and everything. But it would be through like that Cake monotone of everything, not like through a Kermit the Frog voice the whole time. Yeah, okay. And then the next step that I went from there, the next evolution was like, or uh, a group that I have just been falling more and more in love with, and I really uh, hope that before this year's over, we do a one-hit thunder on them, uh, the Flowbots. I think the Flowbots <laughs> could do something really Flow fucking bots. interesting with this song. <laughs> <laughs> That's your number two. That's what came to mind. That's amazing. Well, because they're another group that I when I heard when I heard Handlebars for the first time, I was like, this band pulls a lot from cake like it was like mm, I, mm-hmm. I immediately had like that cake connection in my head because they also had a trumpet player and a violin player and weird shit like that but yeah those are my those would be who i'd like to hear cover how bizarre but man Len, the leonard cohen one i have like want that yesterday like i want that so bad yeah well you know <laughs> i think cake was a good call but yeah i would like to hear the very serious depressing version of the <laughs> of this song the very <laughs> the very dark version of this song i, w- I would like to hear that uh, existential yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very reflective. I would love to hear that version. Hey, I got to tell you guys something that I don't know if you knew, but also fellow New Zealander and collaborator with Polyfumana on an OMC song is none other than Xena Warrior Princess Lucy Lawless. Really? They have. Wow. They have a song together. Yeah. You might also know her as Lucretia on Spartacus. If anyone's watched that extremely <laughs> violent, disturbing <laughs> show, it's actually pretty good, but it's hard to watch. Um, yeah. They did a. There's a Lucy Lawless OMC collaboration wow. song out there. And have yeah. you have you heard it? Yeah. It's 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 a song. All right. <laughs> Um, but yeah. if I have to say something nice, I will say that the song Right On by OMC is a pretty upbeat, good song. I think if you check out the song Right On, that that might, if you're a hater, you might go, all right, that song's okay. <laughs> that's that's all I'll say. In my, in my deep dive of OMC, Right On seemed to be the best song. I, I want to read another sentence straight from the wiki page. The album garnered a surprise but generally positive reaction from critics and was considered so bold and unique that it could not be compared to anything. <laughs> really? Wow. Which... <laughs> I think we just compared mm. it to several things that it can easily be compared <laughs> to. <laughs> I mean, how do you really describe something that has such a major rap attitude? Like that is tough to rap. Major your rap attitude. Sometimes you've got a major rap attitude, Mister. You better get back to he your doesn't room. Even he doesn't even have a major rap attitude. <laughs> he has like a <laughs> passive <laughs> Muppet attitude. He has like this isn't passive Muppet. Uh, yeah, he's a very passive. Great album yeah, title. Passive, <laughs> passive Muppet. <laughs> Matt would Matt would instantly buy the album. All right, so real quick before we dive into the big question. I want to take a quick pause and talk to Dustin about what is a $2 late fee because you're part of the old Geekscape family like Chris and I. What's uh, what's this show that you do? Thanks. Yeah. New, newer newer uh, show to the Geekscape family. Really excited to be a part of it. So yeah, $2 late fee is for all you 80s movies retro fans. We, uh, we cover 80s movies, 80s soundtracks, and we interview 
uh, somebody that's, you know, connected to the movies that we talk about. So yeah, one week we're talking about a movie and then the next week we have an actor or a writer or director or composer, etc. And, uh, you know, we try and keep it positive and, and happy coming out of these dark times. And, you know, the same way you guys were talking about like that, that nostalgic feeling, we're always saying, you know, nostalgia is one hell of a drug and these movies that we loved and they put us in good moods. And then we look at them now and we're like, interesting yeah, what was that right. what were we what were we keying in with that movie but um you know it's it's really focusing on like the things that we love and then hearing the stories from the people that made them is cool and that's the the quick pitch i love it yeah and you've had a pretty cool list of guests on the show too i must say thanks yeah we've been very fortunate and like you know we haven't had any weird i mean you know sometimes these things can go a little strange and and we were talking about you know, Leonard, Leonard Cohen's music, right? We're, a lot of these people that come on the show, they used to be A-A-A-A-list people. Now they're not even on a list. And what's that like? You know, what, what kind of sadness permeates through these interviews? And you can feel it. And it's our job to be like, you know, we're focusing on, on all the all the great stuff, all the positivity. Is it strictly 80s? So what we say is it's like late 1970s, like 1978 through maybe 1992. Okay. So we, we, we do dabble in, yeah, late 70s, early 90s, but, you know, for branding purposes. Sure. 80s. Sure. No, it makes <laughs> sense. Hey, I, I got I to gotta put you on the spot question. And you don't have to think of like the answer, but maybe an answer. What is the most underrated movie of that time period or or an underrated movie? Yeah, it's uh, it's an excellent question. I mean, one of the ones that we did recently is a little film called American Flyers. I remember. Um, It's from 1985. I remember that one. Kevin Costner. Yeah. uh, Ray Don Chung. And it's, you know, it's one of these films that just, it's like, if you know it, you know it, but it's, you revisit it now and it's, it's really a story about about brothers and their relationship and, and sort of, you know, an estranged family dynamic that develops through the mutual love of bike racing. So it's, it's, it's a sports movie, but it's not, and it's incredibly simple and straightforward, but that's one of those films that, you know, I'd watched a lot cause it, it played on HBO all the time. And that's kind of where I originally saw it. And my co-host Zach and I, we dove into that one and it's it's just like it's a beautiful beautiful movie that not a lot of people know about. We had uh, Luca Bercovici, who plays the main villain in that movie, come on the show and give us kind of the uh, you know the, the the backstory. It was a John Badham film. I love like simple movies, simple straightforward stories. I love this. I relate to this. Right. Awesome, man. Yeah. And the the other thing I will say real quick about Two Dollar Late Fee that I think is really cool is not only do they review the movie, but they also highlight a specific song from the soundtrack of that movie with every episode, which is going to lead into, uh, if you're a donator to our Patreon, uh, Dustin's going to hang out a little bit longer with us for a Patreon episode where he's going to go through just a couple of the songs from that time period that he thinks should be more well-known soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, Uh, thank you. And thanks for, you know, pointing that out. Of course. (laughs) So stay, uh, stay tuned for that. But Chris, would you like to ask the major question? The thing that wraps up the whole thing. OMC. Did Polly Fumana bring the one-hit thunder, or was he a one-hit blunder? And this is a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> is he 
the Marvin Gaye of the Pacific, or is he the? <laughs> I don't even know. OMC of the Americas. Yeah, yeah RC the <laughs> OMC among my friends. I'm gonna put the ball right in your court, Dustin. Thunder or blunder on how bizarre, and OMC in general. I will take that take that ball, and I will say it's a blunder. Okay. I feel like I really feel like there's some other. I mean, obviously we talked about all the things that would go into making this number one, but I do feel like there's some seedy underbelly thing i feel like there's secret money there's a conspiracy yeah. theory this song should not it shouldn't have the life that it i shouldn't hear it in trader joe's no, no. yeah i shouldn't you're right that's just it's a great point matt, matt how do you feel about it i mean chris you're not gonna have to do a tiebreaker this <laughs> week because i i kind of agree i'm not mad when the song comes on but i feel like the sheer fact that i have never even dug deeper into the omc catalog and we're talking about me who will buy damn near any cd that he finds at a local flea market says all you need to know about the impression that omc kind of left on my life yeah i would say <laughs> that i'm gonna have to agree i mean Polly fumana rest in peace uh, nothing but good vibes to his family. New Zealand, I love you. I want to live in you. Your taste in music from the 90s is somewhat questionable. I, I guess, you know, my main problem here is the How Bizarre is the best OMC song. I thought that right on song was all right, but it's the best song. It's still not that good of a song. And think about all the great music in the world. And why, why yeah. was Dustin at his college radio station and getting pushed this of all things. Yes. Of, of yes. all the good music in the world, why was someone paying to have this pushed to college radio stations? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's something there's something strange going on there. I would I would also <laughs> say it's a blunder. So it's a triple blunder this week. Yeah. Which very rare do we have a yeah. triple blunder. That's but a... still a good discussion. And Dustin, do you guys have an effect for that triple blunder? <laughs> we should. Just... Well, we do now. There yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, I will note that of, of any guests that we've had, you have a, a great voice. Like, have you done voiceover work? I am a professional voice actor. Nice. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, didn't I uh, even know you that. know, I'm the voice of Nissan, and uh, I'm Jake from State Farm's dog, and nice. I do all the promos for tbs and their brand stuff and tnt and true tv so uh so thank you yes Whoa. like you know right now if you go on like the tbs app or you know what you play a show and it's like you're watching rat in the kitchen on tbs like that's Dude. you know so that's like a that's a that's fun for me i don't you know and so yeah. uh, coming out of the march madness games going into you know whatever they're showing after you know you'll you'll hear me a lot but yeah no thanks chris and um dude it's so cool your voice speaks for itself like I, I didn't even know that you did that you were a professional voice actor. So cool, man! I'm just I'm blown away, impressed. No, yeah, and, I'm, I'm sorry and, and, I didn't and, know that ahead of time. No, that's I, I appreciate that. And if you guys do want, you know, weird things like triple blunder set or, or any <laughs> yeah. any vo, I, I my services are are yours. I appreciate that, man. Thanks a lot for coming on, and everybody check out two dollar late fee. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Linger off the Punchline cover album Songs from 94. Visit punchline.com for merch, tour dates, and news. 
Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris or myself at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Don't let it burn. Don't let it fade. I'm sure I might be rude. But it's just your attitude. listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>